don't let them beat you. Shepherds mirror the spirit of the Lord Jesus. Shepherds love the sheep. They love the sheep. Jesus loved the sheep, but he went so far. I'm never going to die for you, but he did. Wouldn't matter if I died for you because I can't, I can't take away your sins. He did. John Calvin said, Nothing is more to be wished than the church should be governed by good and diligent shepherds after the example of Christ. Wherever there is good order and fit men rule, Christ acts as the shepherd in fact. But Calvin says there are many wolves and thieves who under the mask of shepherds wickedly enter the church. And let me tell you, it's nothing new today. It's just that there are more media and we see it more. It's everywhere. Christ denounces them as men to be avoided. Whatever name they may assume, pastors, elders, bishops, popes, or you name it. The bond between the good shepherd and his flock is so intimate that between shepherd and sheep, there is a mutual recognition. I know them and they know me. Similar to the kind that exists between two spouses in a happy marriage. So we talk about the affinity between the good shepherd and his sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know the ones that are mine, and the ones that are mine know me. I mentioned that last week. Jesus knows who are his. He's not going to lose a one. Let me show you that. I've taught it before in this same book, but sometimes we forget. Listen to what Jesus says. We're back at John chapter 6, verse 37. You'll need this sometime. Remember it. All that the Father gives me will come to me. The sheep that belong to him, where do they come from? Do they come from me getting up here, talking, preaching, getting all sweaty and convincing you? No. All that the Father in his sovereignty gives me, they will do what? They will in a day. In God's day, they will come to me. And the one who comes to me, Jesus says, I won't lose them. I will certainly not cast out. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he's given to me, I lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. You send your kids off to college and you go, oh, boy, boy, just like training them to drive. You put them behind the wheel, (laughs) wait for the crash. Well, you send them off to college and you start waiting for the crash. You've taught them. Some of you have. You've been careful. You've done your due diligence as good parents. We've tried to do our due diligence here. But then you wonder, What's going to become of them? They're going to get under the under the teaching of some godless professor, all of this wokeness surrounding them and eating their lunch. What are they going to come back home their first break saying and thinking? I know that. You know that. But I'll tell you something. 
if the father gave that child of yours to Jesus Christ, if they just didn't go through the motions of baptism, if the Holy Spirit put a seed of living faith in them, I'm going to tell you, they're not going to be lost. They may take a wiggle or two in the wrong directions. They may make some missteps, but they will get back in line if they really belong to Christ. Any child in this church, it doesn't matter how much I've taught them, John's taught them, David's taught them, the rest of you have taught them, it doesn't matter. If the Father hasn't given them to the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing's going to help. But if he has, I assure you, they're not going to be lost to Christ. Jesus says, I'll make sure that everyone shows up the last day. Well, that's what Jesus says. Now in verse 16, I'm having to leave out some stuff I don't want to, but we'll be all right. Verse 16. Jesus says something startling. If you'd look at his ministry and his disciples were they, and they looked at those he had gathered around himself, he, they saw multitudes, multitudes who were into the sensational. They liked seeing all these mighty works. But they weren't believers, most of them. Then they looked at all these hostiles who were constantly nipping like mad dogs at Jesus' heels. And they wondered, where's the fruit, I imagine. There's just us, those, them. But where are the fruit three years later down the line? Jesus is trying to say to them, they're not getting all this yet. They will get it on the day of Pentecost. Don't you worry. The flock you see out there, that's not the scope of my flock. Listen to this. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. He's talking about Israel. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. I mean, they'll really hear it. They're going to come to me. And they shall become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life and will take it up against sovereignty. He'll take it up. Nobody's going to take it from him. He'll decide that, and he'll take it up again. No one has taken it from me, verse 18, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority from the Father to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. He's not the victim. He's the victor. He's the master. He's the majesty. This commandment I've received from my Father. It's a beautiful thought there. Beautiful thought. Who's the church? Where's the church? Is it the Roman Catholic Church? Is it the Greek Orthodox Church? Is it Syrian Orthodox Church? Is it your local Baptist churches? Presbyterian? Methodist, Lutheran, you name them. Where's the church? His church, your church. Jesus says, I have one flock 
you haven't seen them yet. But I've got another flock which is not of this fold, Israel. And you know what? I'm going to call them. He didn't make this explicit to his disciples here. You're going to be my evangelist. You're going to go out into the world and you're going to preach the gospel. And you're going to invite them to come to me. And you know what? They're going to come. And they're going to come in droves. In droves. And they did. And the whole world was changed. Men, I have one flock. Now, in my seminary, you heard that letter read by Mike where the president asked, makes us wonder why we didn't snatch you. Here's one reason. (laughs) One reason was I didn't agree with them on this. They thought there was always going to be Israel out here. One professor explicitly said this on one globe, and there would be the church on the other globe. I never understood where they got that. Jesus says, I have others And we're going to bring them in. They will hear my voice. And they will come and be one flock with one shepherd. There's one church. And who is that church? It's none of those entities that I mentioned. The one church is the composition of all believers that the Father has brought to Jesus Christ. All believers of all time, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are part of that one flock. Every believer in Israel, every believer in what we call the church with a capital C, whoever they are, there are people in very affiliated with various entities. I've met them, and I think how. But they have honestly come to know Jesus Christ. The entity of which they're a part may be a wasteland. But somehow, in the way of God's providence, they have found Jesus. They know him just as surely as you and I do. And when Jesus comes and we're all caught up to be with him, they'll rise from every corner of the face of the earth They'll rise from the dust. Some of them will be right here. They're all his. One flock. One church. That's the new Israel. And God will do all the things that he's promised for those people. You, me, him, her, those, they. Everyone who knows Jesus Christ, everyone everyone that in eternity past the Father has given to his Son, You recall that, don't you? Here in Ephesians. Let me read that for you. They gave me a new Bible at this celebration. I haven't got used to it yet. This is still, come on. This is still my security blanket. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing, chapter 1, in the heavenly places of grace, just as he chose us 
in Christ? When did he choose us? When did he choose the church? When? Before the foundation of the world. And why did he choose it? So that in his purpose we might be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestinated us to adoption through Jesus Christ to himself. Somebody's going to say, I heard it said for a thousand years, though I was not alive that long. Well, okay, it's all a matter of God's election. So I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, you better. <laughs> you say, why? Listen, if somebody dies without Christ, it's because they would not despite every invitation, despite all God's grace, they would not at the end of the day trust in him. If any man or woman or boy and girl will really do what Jesus invited us to, to believe in him, to trust in him, they will be saved. They will be saved. So we can sing just as I am without one plea. <laughs> I come to thee and be sure of being received. But on the other end, we can be sure that those who are received were chosen by God. It's kind of hard to work all that out, but God so loved the world that whosoever believed in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. That's true yesterday. That's true tomorrow. That's true today. He knows his sheep. And his sheep recognize him and they recognize his voice. Well, friends, let's rejoice in all of that. Now, Jesus says, my father loves me. You cut that line up there. My father loves me, verse 17, because I lay down my life and take it up again. Well, doesn't that sound like Jesus earned the love of his father? That's not what it means. Let me give you an illustration. I told you I used this illustration down here to show you that we're like that rock, all of us, this pastor and everybody else. Natively, as God found us, we were zeros. He chose us because of his own sovereign will. I don't know why. You don't know why. But then at the end, he made us into one of those necklaces. Beautiful. Valuable. That's why he loves us because, like Billy, he made us to be that and he's proud of his work. That's what he loves about you because you're becoming, by his mercy and grace, what he wanted you to become. I got to give you grandson illustration as we close this about God's love for us. It illustrates the father's love for his son. My grandson, Alex, is now a pastor. He was here last Sunday, wasn't he? Thank you for giving me an answer. <laughs> yeah, he was here last Sunday with his wife and two kids. Alex is 36 now. I remember when he was just a kid. I remember him in grade school. I can't tell you how I love that boy, still do, how his daddy loves that boy. 
But here's kind of a backstory. I remember just watching him do things that just made us love him more and more. One time he was in grade school and I think the teachers noticed it, my, how he reached out to a disabled boy. Rest of the kids didn't pay much attention to him. But they told us, not Alex, how he would care for that kid, not let him be ignored. And then he said to me one day, you know, Grandpa, when I grow up, I'd like to work with disabled kids. Now, I loved him like crazy before that. When I saw what he was becoming by virtue of parental training and all that kind of thing, I loved him more deeply for what he was and still is, by the way. Loved him more deeply. Loved him before, but when I saw what he was becoming through God's grace, oh man, love him more. God, when he saw his work being fulfilled, the Father, when he saw his work being fulfilled in his Son, that's my Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I'm well pleased in him. Well, just remember that when you think about God's love for you. Don't listen to a song, I've heard them, that tells us about God, God's love being owing to something he saw in us. And we're so happy clappy. No, it was never that way. We were just rock. And he took us, broke us, and he shaped us. And now that he sees us becoming what by his grace he has made us, we love that. And his love is stimulated by that. So it's more and more. That's the love he has for you, but not because of anything that you brought to him. We brought no value to God. But if I... Come on, Andrews. But like Billy, if I'd found this rock out somewhere and I took that and I made it into one of those things, I would really love what I made. But not because this rock did it. It wasn't anything because this is just a mess. But out of this, I made that. Proud of that. Billy, I hope I didn't kill that. I do stupid things. I do them rather regularly. I hope that wasn't one of them. Well, folks, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, I want to tell you, the Father didn't say, whosoever will may come. And whoever comes to him shall be saved. He didn't say that unless he meant it. I say to you, you're like that rock. I was like that rock. Everybody in this room was like that rock. 
we're all messed up natively. None of us has any native beauty except in one way, that we are creatures created in the image and likeness of God. But we got that so fouled up. But he cares for you. And he sent his son to do what needed to be done to redeem you. Now, if you will trust in him, you will trust in his grace, trust in his word, and receive Jesus the Savior. As your redeemer, you will be saved. In doing so, you need to recognize what I've just told you. You're messed up. That's what so many people have trouble recognizing, that they're messed up. They're lost, misshapen, corrupted by human sin. You are a sinner. We talk about people being perverted, and some are wildly perverted, but every one of us is perverted, twisted, natively in the sight of God, every one of us. There are no natively good people sitting in this room. We haven't done everything that everybody else has done. Wild, stupid, unimaginable things. No. But what we've done in our hearts and minds is, well, it's it's evil before God. You've got to fess up. You've got to acknowledge that. I am a sinner. I need to be pardoned. That's the first movement of faith is to repent. The second movement is positive, to embrace Jesus, the Lord Jesus, as your Savior, your shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. He died for you. But you've got to do something. You can't just sit there like knots on a log. You can't just get up and walk out of this building and say, well, if it'll happen, it'll happen. No, it won't. You've got to say no to me and yes to him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus who came. He's the door. He's a shepherd, but he is the ultimate shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep who gave his life for us. Our Father, to save us from predators, and there are all kinds of them out there. Now we pray your spirit will draw some whom you chose from eternity past. They don't know it, but you know it. And you will move their hearts to step forward and to say no to sin, no to self, and yes to Jesus, the shepherd of the sheep. We ask it in his name. Amen.